Ready to celebrate International Women's Day? M&M's and iHeart present Women Take the Mic, sharing empowering stories of women supporting and celebrating each other. And of course, there is a smooth and creamy companion for your listening pleasure, peanut butter M&M's, because they're just another way to help treat yourself in situations where you deserve a little added delight, like listening to your favorite podcast. So savor the deliciousness of peanut butter M&M's and spread some positivity. From breaking glass ceilings to dominating in sports and entertainment, women truly are unstoppable. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Bring spring color inside this season with Bear Premium Plus paint, starting at just $28.98 a gallon at the Home Depot. Add a pop of blue to your kitchen with the bare exclusive color Arrowhead Lake or a splash of Amazon jungle to your living room. Bring a cool breeze to your bathroom with sea glass or accent your bedroom with sunrise-inspired colors like coral cloud and dark crimson. Let your creativity bloom this spring with bare premium plus paint starting at just $28.98 a gallon at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. On the Bechdel cast, the questions asked if movies have women in them. Are all their discussions just boyfriends and husbands, or do they have individualism? The patriarchy's effing vast. Start changing it with the Bechdel cast. Hey, Caitlin. Hey, Jamie. So we're about to graduate from high school, right? And I'm mm-hmm. trying to trying to like plan the next phase. Can I just like pitch you what my idea is, and then let me know what your plans are, please? Okay, my plans are to graduate from high school, move to Europe, marry Alfred Molina, and then die. (laughs) What are your plans? Oh, um, I was thinking I would just like accept my fate as a vampire slayer and kill a bunch of vampires because wow you're not like other girls i know or are you (laughs) i am i am exactly like other girls isn't that wild that that's that becomes the central question of the movie um (laughs) welcome to the bechdel cast my name is jamie loftus my name is caitlin durante and this is our show in which we examine movies through an intersectional feminist lens using the bechdel test simply as a jumping off point. Now, Jamie. Yes. Whatever is the Bechdel test? Well, uh, I'll tell you. It's and and I, we told Alfred Molina this, so it's good that we're all like mm. my future husband, Alfred Molina, who famously hates men's rights activists, as he yeah. said on our show. Absolutely, he's got to come back. Okay, uh, the Bechdel test. We're and we're okay. So that's an example of something that does not pass the Bechdel test because <laughs> the version that we use uh, it's a media metric created by queer cartoonist Allison Bechdel, sometimes called the Bechdel Wallace test. Lots of different versions of it. The version that we use requires that two people of a marginalized gender with names speak to each other about something other than a man for more than two lines of dialogue and the dialogue exchange should have some sort of meaning and not just an offhand like would you like spaghetti 
know. Mm. Although, unless it's very, it plot spaghetti and it's very important. Sometimes there's plot spaghetti. What's an example of plot spaghetti? Huh. Oh, actually, maybe in another vampire movie, mm-hmm. which the name of it is escaping me right now, but it's the one that Kiefer Sutherland is in, not Donald Sutherland. What the hell movie am I thinking of? The Lost Boys? The Lost Boys. Are you talking yes. about The Lost the, Boys? Yes. <laughs> Sorry yeah, to yeah, jump yeah. in already. <laughs> no, 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 Sorry please. I was like... <laughs> the Lost Boys. <laughs> There's plot spaghetti in that movie? I've never seen it. Well, I wouldn't call it plot spaghetti necessarily, or it might not even be spaghetti, but there's a scene where there's like some noodle dish and then they, they're they like feeding it to humans and then they're like, just kidding, it's worms or something. Iconic. And Hilarious. then they like, they use their vampire powers to turn the spaghetti into worms. I might be completely You remember that, but you didn't remember the name of the movie? I have like no recollection <laughs> of that in that movie. Look. It's been a minute though. <laughs> My brain works in mysterious ways. <laughs> uh, move over, mom spaghetti, plot spaghetti has entered the chat. Uh, well, I'm glad that we got that. I, I think that that was a very, a perfect way to introduce our guest. <laughs> Absolutely. Yes. Let's get her in the mix. She is the Senior Vice President of Development at Crypt TV. She is a co-executive producer on Peacock's The Girl in the Woods. It's Jasmine Johnson. It's me. Hello. Hi. Welcome. <laughs> Thank you guys for having me. Oh, thanks for being here. I'm always psyched to talk about Buffy the Vampire Slayer. The movie. Yes. In particular. <laughs> yes. So what is your relationship and history with the movie, the franchise in general? Tell us everything. Yeah. You know, um, it's really interesting because in my line of work, my line of work being like being a producer and a development executive where I have to meet with a lot of writers and a lot of directors, specifically those who like genre, because that's what I uh, produce. Mm-hmm. I would say like a third of the time, I always have people who will cite Buffy as such a big inspiration to them. And when they cite it, they're talking about the TV show. Always, Mm -hmm. always, always talking about the TV show. And I think I might be maybe the rare person who, when I say I was obsessed with Buffy as a kid, I'm talking about the movie, not the show. I've seen like Mm. a season of Buffy the Vampire Slayer, the TV show, but the movie was what I watched on repeat as a kid over and over and over. So much so Mm. that I was convinced, do not laugh at me, because it still may be true, But I was convinced that I was in line to be the Slayer because I have a similar birthmark (laughs) to the one that Merrick tells Buffy that she has. Uh, And I just knew, I just knew that I was supposed to be one of the Slayers of the Vampires. I hate to tell you guys, it didn't happen, (laughs) but (laughs) I just was so short. (laughs) You know, yet, maybe, (laughs) maybe yet. I feel like uh, my my heyday is sort of behind me (laughs) at this point, as far as being able to, like, fight and kill and, I don't know take down vampires but you never know you never know right it's very like 16th birthday like i remember the pilot episode of sabrina the teenage witch i think she like woke up on her 16th birthday levitating above the bed and that was the thing that i was like absolutely that's gonna happen the morning (laughs) of my 16th birthday i will be floating (laughs) i just really want the show or movie that's about like you turn 40 and then realize you have 
magical monster slaying powers. I guess I could, yeah. maybe that's the next thing that I want to be responsible for making. Oh, that is such a good idea. That would actually be amazing. <laughs> yeah. Because everything is like 16, 17, 18. But like, what happens when you're like me and I'm 33 and I have no powers to look forward to coming into? It's kind of, kind of sucks a little bit. It's pretty ageist. The fact that, yeah, like so much media, I mean, in general revolves around young people like 30 and younger and it's like what about the people i feel like i come of age every five years like i have another coming of age like every Mm -hmm. few years and i'm like what what coming of age thing am i gonna have when i'm 50 like that should be a story for sure (laughs) that i mean that's so true i mean i i always use the term i say that i love coming of age content and people always equate that with like YA meaning you're in your teens or like you're young adults and I always have to correct them and say Mm -hmm. when I see coming of age I'm not necessarily talking about like teenagers obviously you do come of age at that age but you never like truly stop coming of age and uh, I think um, you know having more things that explore what that looks like when you're past whatever the age is that media has deemed as the the one that is the most important I think should yeah. be done more, you know, like, uh, it's, it's just as important. Totally. Yeah. Oh. I, I think we just, uh, got a pitch together in the space. Of- <laughs> yeah. And, um, I, Hey, I heard that you're a development executive. So, um, <laughs> I am, I am anyway, that's all, that's all to say. I was convinced I was going to be the next slayer. It didn't happen, but maybe in the real world, Yet. you can be 40 and be a slayer. So, Or maybe the slayer before me killed all the vampires. <laughs> One of those. <laughs> that could true. be possible. Hard to say. <laughs> Jamie, what's your relationship with the Buffy franchise? Extremely limited. I think I've t- said this. This might have been on a Matreon episode, but I had like a very bizarre experience with the Buffy series where like my first day of college, there was a girl who like locked me in her dorm room and made me watch 10 episodes in a row and it was like I think well-intentioned but felt like a hostage situation and I just the the whole experience left a bad taste in my mouth towards Buffy culture yeah (laughs) so because it was just like I was like god what a stressful thing to happen on your first day of anyways so I have very limited experience with it I knew I thought it was interesting going into preparing for this episode only knowing like the impression I had was that fans of Buffy the TV series hate this movie. And I was curious. I was like, I wonder why? Like, I've definitely seen 10 episodes of Buffy under duress. So I, I get that <laughs> the tone of the show. Um, but I, I, you know, it's it's dated in a lot of aspects. But I really thought the movie was perfectly fine. And uh, everyone was being a baby about it. Like, it's very different from the show. Mm-hmm. But if there's anything that... that Caitlin and I were texting about this before we started recording. Uh, If there's anything that we've learned on this show in the past month, because we also covered Alien Resurrection, another Whedon script, it's that Joss Whedon loves to have a tantrum when he doesn't have complete creative control over something. And he'll like (laughs) shit talk anything that he didn't have a million, which is like whatever that bears out in his personal behavior too. But Mm -hmm. like anytime he doesn't have complete creative control, he's like, that was the worst thing that ever happened. And pee pee poo poo. And it's like, (laughs) dude, the movie is like pretty good. I really enjoyed it. So it's fun. fun. Uh, Caitlin, what's your history with Buffy? 
So I am admittedly a fan of the show, mm. although I would I have not engaged with it in many years. I binged all is it seven seasons oh, wow. somewhere around like 2012. I want to say I watched it with my best friend JT, who was always a big fan of the show. Then I watched a little bit of the spinoff show Angel. I read some of the comics. I at some point. I think after I saw the series, I went and watched the movie. I don't remember if I watched the movie before or after. I think it was after the series, which probably explains why I didn't like it as much as the series, because I was like, oh, this is different and blah, blah, blah. Right. And then going back and rewatching the movie for this episode, I was like, oh, I was hard on the movie back then. It's not as bad as I thought. Or it's not even, like, bad at all. Although I would say the third act gets a little... It's kind of messy at the end. Yeah. It gets a little flimsy. I could have (laughs) stood to have maybe, like, a more epic, less weirdly sexually charged thing. I was just like, dude, Pee-wee is a vampire who, like, jumps on the hood of a car. I was like, yeah. How could people dislike this movie? That's... It's fun. I want that. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, I was I was too hard on the movie the first time I saw it. I generally enjoyed it, watching it back this time to prep for the episode. And uh, that's my general history with Buffy. Hell yeah. Should we dive into the recap of the movie? Let's do it. Do it. And Jasmine, feel free to jump in whatever. Yes. Okay. Okay, so we open on a quick scene in the Dark Ages. We see a young woman fighting some vampires, and we get some voiceover about vampires and vampire slayers. Then we cut to 1990s Southern California, the Light Ages. Very funny. Um, (laughs) we, We meet Buffy, played by Christy Swanson, who is doing a cheer routine with her fellow cheerleaders. Then she goes to the mall with three of her friends who I do not know what those characters' names are because we... (laughs) Do they have names? We don't really learn them. I think one... I know one's name is Jenny. I remember that because I think Jenny... But I don't know which. I I think it was the one with the curly hair because I remember Jenny, not to spoil the end, but ends up like... she's at the dance. Showing up at the the dance, Mm -hmm. yeah. Um, But outside of that, I'm not sure. Did they even give those characters names? Barely. I think... So Hillary Swank is one of the friends and she I think is Kimberly. Uh yes. Okay, yes, yes, yes. But then there's a third one who in fact like the one black friend, what's her name? What's her name? We what's her name? We don't know. We don't know anything about her. Okay, we did cuz I kept like waiting for waiting to find out what her name is. I kept waiting for those characters in general to become important, relevant to the story and they never like uh, that was that was one of the things where I'm like Buffy needs like and I know that that's a huge part of the show is like Buffy's like connection with her like her friends crew. who are other women mm-hmm. and yeah mm-hmm. yeah movie Buffy no dice in that mm-hmm. department yeah it's kind of a bummer um, it's one of the things that I also I didn't realize like in watching it as a kid but it had been maybe like 15 years since I saw the movie and then rewatched and I sort of hate the idea that like. Buffy has to be such a, a a lone fighter. Like I, I think that 
that messaging that, you know, your friends are not going to support you and you have to sort of give up everything in order to save the world is not quite right. Uh, And I understand that the show didn't go that route. And if I was going to remake this movie in this day and age, I wouldn't do that. Like I wouldn't, her friends can, like they can all start that way and you can have some who maybe uh, don't believe in vampires or don't support Buffy, but I don't think that every single person in her friends group needed to be so terrible all the way through the end. (laughs) Yeah, It almost felt like another way of like, because it's like kind of goofy and funny to me, but it's you know definitely a thing where it becomes a big part of the movie as it goes on to telegraph that Buffy's not like other girls, and it seems like right. that's how they demonstrate it by making other girls mean and vapid and mm-hmm. awful, which is mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. that that's not the move, yeah, right, yeah, we can talk about that more because that's there's a lot to cover there, yeah. Okay, so Buffy has friends, and they go shopping, and they do cheerleading together. And at the mall, they have a brief encounter with Donald Sutherland, who is giving off some weird vibes. Very weird. He's wearing a trench coat, like, for example. A trench coat and a fedora. He's just staring at them, not saying anything. (laughs) So they briefly encounter him but then they go about their day and head to the movies a couple of their classmates are there pike played by luke perry and benny played by david arquette are there at the movie theater and they're like these like burnout quote-unquote loser types and then that, that night buffy links up with her basketball star boyfriend jeffrey meanwhile one of jeffrey's friends is walking through a park and crosses paths with Paul Rubens, who is looking very creepy, and it seems like he is probably a vampire. I love... He's having so much fun in this movie. Oh my I love him in this movie. He's great. I think that this would have, like, overlapped with Pee-wee, too. Like, mm. if, I don't know. Not to... Whatever. This is a, a feminist podcast, so I'm not going to just, like, hand it to Paul Rubens for <laughs> an hour. But it is, like... I feel like he's, like, underrated in, like, how versatile he is because he's so he's got, associated with Pee Wee. He's got range. He's certainly um, a scene stealer in this yeah. movie. <laughs> I can't wait till we get to his death scene. Oh my goodness. Top five best deaths in it's cinema so history. Good. <laughs> oh gosh. Then we cut to a news report about a bunch of people having been attacked and dying from severe neck wounds. Then Buffy has a dream about the vampire slayer who we saw briefly at the beginning of the movie, who I think is also played by Christy Swanson. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's like her in a wig. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That was a confusing part of the lore to me. It was like, the lore is kind of messy when I thought about it, where I was like, Mm. okay, so there's always been slayers, but they all seem to be Christy Swanson reincarnated over and over? question mark see that i've gotten in debates about this as a child um because okay hit it you know it's kind of it kind of sucks a little bit because as a kid you want to play like as your favorite characters like Mm -hmm. we want to play power rangers you want to play whatever and so playing buffy is not a game but if i wanted to play buffy 
I wanted to be Buffy, but it's the early 90s and kids would tell me like, you can't be Buffy because you don't look like Buffy. Or even if, mm-hmm. if I was playing Power Rangers, you can't be the Pink Ranger. You have to be the yellow one because the yellow one is black. And I'm like, shut up. I will be who I want to be. Mm-hmm. But in diving into the lore, as I was watching this movie, I had flashbacks to being a kid and being told I couldn't be Buffy because this is how Buffy looks. And I was listening to what Buffy was saying Um And this comes a little bit later when Merrick says, like, have you been having these dreams? And she's like, yeah, you know, I was a handmaiden or or something. And she's also like, I was a slave in Virginia. And I picked up Mm -hmm. on that, like, so quickly. And again, this may just be my own personal (laughs) history with Buffy Mm -hmm. and uh, just growing up in a society that wanted to marginalize me and tell me I can only be but a certain character. But I was like, Mm -hmm. there's no way that, like... Buffy, if she looked like Buffy, would have been a slave girl in Virginia. So I believe, Mm -hmm. and I'm sorry to go on such a deep tangent. No, 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 please. This is a great point. (laughs) But this is important to me. Only me, maybe, but it's important. (laughs) (laughs) I believe that Buffy was just, when she was dreaming, she was putting herself in the situations of these girls. Mm -hmm. I don't think it was actually the Slayer looked exactly like Buffy Mm -hmm. every single time. I just think that she was dreaming and putting herself in the shoes of all of these. I'm not even sure if it was only um, women. Who knows? Anyone could Mm -hmm. be a Slayer. But uh, so I think... Any one of us could have been a slayer, including me. (laughs) Hell yeah. No, that's a very good point, though. Yeah. And that makes sense that, like, she would just insert herself into her own dreams. But, yeah. No, that's a really good point. I I hadn't thought about that sequence in context of because the other the only other one you see is her in a wig Mm -hmm. that totally makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Because in the show, you see, like slayers of bygone days and i if i'm remembering correctly there's one who is like a slayer in the 1970s who is a black woman Mm. in the show who like pops up now and then throughout the series so cool the slayer is not just christy swanson or (laughs) sarah michelle geller um okay so during this dream though we see this vampire lothos played by rutger hauer And he seems to be like the big bad vampire in charge. Mm. Then we cut back to the present where Paul Rubin's vampire tells his master, presumably Lothos, that he is building an army. Uh, Then the next night, Buffy and her friends go out to plan their upcoming senior dance. A drunk Pike and Benny are there. They all give each other a hard time. Then the guys leave and then Benny gets bitten by Paul Rubens. Pike doesn't notice because he's passed out from being so drunk. And then Donald Sutherland shows up and takes Pike with him. Then Donald Sutherland, a.k.a. Merrick, it takes him a while for us to know what his name to find is. Out his name, I know, this is like Donald Sutherland. They're I can't not great think with him. names. They're not great movie. with names in this movie. <laughs> Donald Sutherland in a trench coat. Three yes. Donald Sutherlands in a trench coat. <laughs> so he is Merrick. He pays a visit to Buffy and tells her that her birthright, her like destiny is to be a vampire slayer and that he is her watcher Mm -hmm. and she's like what are you even talking about so then he takes her to a graveyard to 
show her and prove to her, you know, that she is in fact the Slayer. A couple vampires come out of the graves and Buffy is able to kill them with relative ease. She seems to be a natural at this. Mm -hmm. Then we cut back to Pike and Benny. Benny shows up and he is a vampire now. He wants Pike to invite him in. He's (laughs) floating. Pike is like, what the hell, dude? (laughs) Get away (laughs) from me. (laughs) I don't want any part of whatever you're doing. (laughs) (laughs) Meanwhile, Lothos, the big bad vampire, is getting more and more powerful. Buffy, on the other hand, is not too sure about this whole being a vampire slayer thing. She just wants to be a normal teenager and go to cheerleading practice. But Merrick shows up again and he proves that she is the true slayer by throwing a knife at her head. <laughs> Big swing. <laughs> really, <laughs> really a risk. Um, but she catches it. What would he have done if that went straight through her forehead? <laughs> like, like, right? <laughs> like, congratulations, you just killed a child. <laughs> I wonder how many, like teen girls he has accidentally killed because he's like you're probably the slayer let me just test this out and then a knife through her skull Mm -hmm. you know I never thought about that that's pretty dark (laughs) I actually don't feel like Merrick is a great trainer (laughs) we could talk about that more maybe later yeah so I do now that you say that I feel like he probably went through like at least three or four girls before he finally (laughs) got the right one with Buffy (laughs) dark well because his gauge also isn't that great because he sees Buffy doing some gymnastics and he's like wow you're a gymnast you must be the slayer and it's like (laughs) pretty basic gymnastics too I mean I can't do any gymnastics so none of it is like super basic but she's doing a couple cartwheels and like a backhand spring or something it's not like she's doing Olympic levels of gymnastics but still she's I guess (laughs) that makes her qualified to be the best slayer right (laughs) I'm like uh dude your criteria seems to be a bit off (laughs) Um, But he was right. She is the Slayer because she catches the knife and he's like, only the true Slayer could have done that. And she's like, okay, I guess I am the Slayer. So then she starts training so that she can be fully prepared to take on vampires. And then we get a fun training montage. We see Buffy slay her first vampire, or I guess not her first because she slayed some in the graveyard. But like her first one is like the official Slayer. Meanwhile, other vampires, including Paul Rubin's vampire, attack Pike in his van, but Buffy and Merrick show up and save him. And then Buffy and Pike have a conversation about like, oh, wow, he's so surprised that she kills vampires. He thought that she was like, just like the other girls or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's also some romantic tension in the air between them. Buffy, again, wants to continue to keep up her normal life with her friends and cheerleading. Mm -hmm. So one night when she's cheering at a basketball game, one of the players, Grueler, is now a vampire. So she chases him out of the game and fights him. Pike shows up to help. And then Lothos shows up. Mm -hmm. And there's a weird interaction between him and Buffy where he's like, I'm waiting for you to ripen. Yeah. And <laughs> it's 
so we'll talk all about that. Yeah, the last thing you want to hear someone say to a young woman is exactly that. (laughs) So gross. Or a young person at all. Like, yes, it's just like, get away, get away. Um, And then Lothos kills Merrick. Very easily, by the way. (laughs) Barely tries. (laughs) It is... (laughs) Every time Lothos is on screen, I'm just like, what is happening? What is he doing? How? Why is anyone reacting the way they're reacting? I find it all very confusing. But he, so he kills Merrick and then just leaves. Mm-hmm. So Buffy is still safe. She's sad over the death of Merrick. She also just feels in way over her head. And then she and Pike have an argument because she's like, I can't handle this. I just want to go to the senior dance. And he's like, oh, well, I thought you wanted to do important things like kill vampires. And then he drives off on his motorcycle. Um, so then Buffy goes to the senior dance. Her boyfriend, Jeffrey, dumps her there which is like who cares fuck that right guy. we're like Buffy barely yeah. cares because she's like oh yeah here's the other guy that i was sort of already dating <laughs> yes because pike shows up after all and then he and buffy kiss but then a bunch of vampires invade the dance and buffy fights them then she heads off to face lothos mm-hmm. she gets there she kills paul rubens where again his death scene is just uh, I would say tonally inconsistent with the other things that are happening in this moment in the movie. Uh, what? Very long and drawn out, extremely campy, but I wouldn't want it any other way. Can't have it any other way. <laughs> yeah. Um, so then Lothos is about to bite Buffy, but then she fights back. She gets away. She returns to the dance where her classmates have killed a bunch of vampires. And then Lothos bursts in again. And Buffy finally kills him. And then she and Pike ride off on his motorcycle. That's the end of the movie. Let's take a quick break and then we'll come right back. Tired of spills and stains on your sofa? Wash away your worries with Anabay. Anabay, the only sofa that's machine washable inside and out, where designer quality meets budget-friendly prices. That's right, sofas from only $639. Anabay brings you a no-risk experience with pet-friendly, stain-resistant, and changeable slipcovers made with performance fabric, cloud-like comfort with high-resilience foam, and hypoallergenic featherless down that needs no fluffing. Their steel frame ensures longevity, and you can rearrange the modular pieces anytime. And here's the cherry on top, up to 60% off site-wide. It's backed by a 30-day satisfaction guarantee, so if you're not absolutely in love, send it back for a full refund. No return shipping or restocking fees. Every penny back. Join the revolution of easy, clean, stylish living with up to 60% off at anabay.com. That's A-N-A-B-E-I.com. Offers are subject to change, and certain restrictions may apply. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, 
John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Are you ready to share some joy and celebrate International Women's Day? M&M's has partnered with iHeart for Women Take the Mic treating you to the most uplifting and empowering stories of women supporting and celebrating each other. And of course, there is a smooth and creamy companion for your listening pleasure, peanut butter M&Ms, because they're just another way to help treat yourself in situations where you deserve a little added delight, like listening to your favorite podcast. So grab a handful of that creamy deliciousness, kick back and spread some positivity into the world from smashing glass ceilings to breaking records in sports on stages and at the box office. Women are crushing it in every way imaginable. And with peanut butter M&Ms by your side, relax and keep listening to women take the mic podcasts as you dance your way through inspiring stories, share laughs and savor the deliciousness of peanut butter M&Ms and the unstoppable force of women. Happy International Women's Day. And we are back. All right. Where shall we begin? Jasmine, is there anywhere in particular that, like, was there anything that stood out to you on this rewatch that you want to talk about in particular? <laughs> um, uh, maybe too much for me to be able to, like, center my brain <laughs> where to start. So why don't you guys pick something? And I'm sure I will have a lot to say sure, on the sure. topic. <laughs> Uh, I, was, I just wanted to start with a little bit of like context on the movie and get through kind of the mm. Joss Whedon of it all. Because mm, sure. uh, I'm always trying to get like in and out there because mm-hmm. I feel like we've been talking about him too much on the show recently and I'm I'm sick of it. Um, okay. So uh, this movie uh, was written by Joss Whedon. The characters are his creation and then he goes on to do the TV show later. Mm-hmm. It's also uh, directed. I feel like it's not discussed enough. This movie is directed by, by- a woman, yeah. Fran Rubel Cousy, uh, and she's, I, I don't know, she, she's been a director of various romps over the course of her career. I think that it's interesting, like, the main takeaway, I don't know, like, listeners of the show will know, Joss Whedon bothers me. I don't <laughs> like him. And I think it is so interesting how he has kind of managed to shape the entire narrative around this movie. And in the process whatever a writer who was really tooting his own horn for being Mr. Feminist for a while Mm -hmm. like repeatedly dumped on the woman who directed this movie and kind of blamed her and Donald Sutherland for the reason that it didn't turn out the exact way that he wanted it Mm -hmm. as if it's like whatever (laughs) he's like screenwriting nepotism he should know that when you write a script, it's not going to appear word for word on the fucking screen, Absolutely. you baby. Anyways, uh, <laughs> so but but he's such a feminist. Yeah, Google Google that. Um, 
whatever. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, so I'm like having a hot flash now. Um, <laughs> it's upsetting. I mean, it's really upsetting because yeah. uh, for a long time, Ugh. like you said, he was sort of like the voice of, I don't know, but you're right. Women? We, like Kind of like women in genre, uh, like uh, badass w- women. Like, I don't, it just yeah. is kind of uh, a bit... Uh, it's so rough when you think about it it just it makes you there's so many things that we did wrong in the past um but (laughs) allowing that to sort of be the voice of of badass women is maybe one of them but the shows did inspire a lot of writers but now we do have to sort of contend with what does that mean to have someone like that have shaped such a influential female character yeah, it's, mm-hmm. it's a it's a messy topic um, for sure. And it seems like you guys are sick of talking about it. So. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. It's just, just in the context of him specifically, he's just been coming up mm-hmm. a bunch. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, I guess the long and short of it there is that he in multiple interviews has said that Donald Sutherland was very difficult on the set. He was writing rewriting his own lines, which I do fully believe it's there's like so many stories about Donald Sutherland being a pain in the ass to work with fine Mm -hmm. I'll concede that point but he he also was like oh and this director was so like weak-willed and she would let Donald Sutherland kind of walk all over her and I'm just like do you hear yourself um (laughs) in any case uh I, I think it is interesting that you know in retrospect Joss Whedon kind of actively turned his own fan base against this movie and I think that's why people don't really critically engage with it. But there's uh, there's quite a bit going on. Yeah, yeah. Um, starting with, I mean, just the kind of basic idea of this being a movie that centers a a woman as like the hero, like the ass kicking, like action star of the movie, which like a lot of movies of this genre or this type don't do this is a pretty Mm -hmm. male heavy thing Mm -hmm. as is the idea of like kind of the hero's journey chosen one narrative right that is something that women and girls like usually don't get to be the chosen one in most stories this is like a a pretty male centric idea and so it's just like very cool to have this movie that as simple as it might seem and and like like you mentioned Jasmine was like a very empowering thing for you to watch like to be able to like see this woman and for sure watch her kicking ass and have this like chosen one narrative be about a teen girl like that's an empowering thing for you know the target audience of this movie being like teens and you know young people generally i imagine mm-hmm. so yeah i mean i think that's just like a a cool thing in general. Yeah. The movie has things to discuss. <laughs> yeah. <Dang>. But <laughs> the but the I mean like the action scenes are fucking cool and like funny and dynamic and she's in control. Like I was really worried about at the end. I was like, "Oh no, please don't say that." You know, I feel like it's so we very often see in this like kind of this specific era of when women are fighting or even when they're the hero, they're kind of like tossed out of the climactic scene. And it's like, no, now you will be saved. And mm-hmm. uh, this happens in another vampire movie with Twilight, where Bella Swan is the protagonist of that franchise. And yet in the first movie, she's just like, 
rendered unconscious almost immediately during the climax and then like doesn't get to do anything yeah and then like the the (laughs) other example i always go to is like Kristen kirsten sorry it was getting my the oh the kristens the kirsten movie stars (laughs) kirsten dunst like caught in a just like held on the side of the scene in a spider web for the entire climax of spider-man 2 right um you're just like okay so Mm -hmm. you're not invited to participate like but buffy remains in control of basically Mm -hmm. all of the action and it's really i i thought christy swanson did a really good job she's good i thought so too i also really loved like at the very end you have you have Pike, and I appreciated that Pike was the damsel here. You know, Pike yeah. always fainted. <laughs> there was even one time I think where I heard him say, "Like oh, at least I didn't faint this time." Um, and you get to the very end, and right. Buffy has saved the day. I mean, Pike didn't really do much. I don't really know what he did, uh, mm-hmm. but he looks up and he's like, "Oh, did I do all this?" And she's like, "No, no, you absolutely did not." No. And he's like. Yeah, yeah, you did all this. And it's it is totally fine with that. Mm. I don't I never felt like he felt like his masculinity was threatened in any way. Not that it should have been, but this is the early nineties right. we're talking about. Right. Yeah. Um and I just really think that like as a young girl watching this, I didn't realize this obviously at the time, but I internalized a lot of the good there's there's some rough stuff we'll talk about that but a lot of the good things the main thing being watching this woman like really like you said take over take ownership kick butt and like come out and on top and she is she's the one no one else does this but her she saves the world basically Mm -hmm. um i think was really informative especially now as i'm getting into making you know being able to like help make my own content the kinds of things that i value and the kinds of uh stuff that I want to make. I really do think that if I think about it, I can trace it back to a very early on, like watching and loving Buffy uh, as a kid. You just never know like what someone's going to watch and how it's going to influence them, which is why I think that it's really important, like what we put out there, what we put on on our screens. Um, yeah. Because you just, you just don't know. Yeah, absolutely. That's so cool. I love that. And with that romantic subplot with Pike as you said there's like i mean it's it starts out it's it's like one of those like enemies to lovers dynamics right. which is like right. fine whatever. which i kind of i do i'm a sucker for that <laughs> <laughs> um but like we mentioned like their dynamic is mostly this like almost like gender flipped because we're so used to seeing it the other way where mm-hmm. you know we're used to seeing a man be the fighter the protector the action hero mm-hmm. and his love interest a woman because everything is hetero mm-hmm. in movies um that she's the damsel she's the one who has to be saved she's the one who's not really participating in any of the action in this movie though it's like completely flipped where mm. he does help out sometimes and almost he t- he assumes this role is almost like her sidekick i would say right i feel like he kind of gets in the way a little bit more <laughs> <laughs> which like is funny and yeah. like uh, yeah i don't know i just i appreciated that where there's yeah various scenes where he like he doesn't fight at all and then he instead faints or he does like help out a little bit but it's still (laughs) Buffy like taking the reins and like getting shit mostly done Mm -hmm. and then like you said like at the end like he acknowledges that he hasn't contributed much this is not a blow to his ego (laughs) he's just like wow you're 
And I also think that there's something to be said for him kind of encouraging her to like continue to be the slayer because there's like a moment where she's like yeah. I'm in over my head like I just want to be a normal teenager like this was sprung on me and I never asked for this and blah 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 and he was just like well like you have this opportunity now don't you want to like make something of it and like do this important stuff and you yeah. know the the way he handles it is like maybe a little I don't know I feel like he, he could have handled that better but the fact that he's like cheering her he's her cheerleader wow wow right i also love that he even though he felt like it was beneath buffy and definitely beneath himself he still showed up at the dance mm-hmm. yeah. he still came to the dance and he came prepared <laughs> Just in he case. brought a bunch of spikes <laughs> <laughs> a bunch of wood <laughs> and it it came in yeah. handy <laughs> yeah i was I, i'm glad we're having this this talk because i was back and forth at on like okay what function does this love story serve and like as i was watching it to to prepare i do think that like there is i don't know we're we're always arguing that it's like is this hetero love story necessary to the story and right well and i I, you know we'll get to this we've sort of already started talking about this but um how i do wish that one of just like the glaring things about this movie is that there are no women in buffy's life that provide any support or like real narrative importance for her Mm -hmm. and so i wish that she also had like a friendship but i did feel like yeah the the dynamic with her and pike especially as the movie goes on does serve a function like you're describing jasmine of like you know it's still extremely heteronormative and and stuff that it's like movies from 1992 tend to be but it's he's not threatened by her because I feel like even when you do have these like very active female action stars Mm -hmm. the guy that they'll partner with even if they're very in love sometimes it's like he's not totally okay with the dynamic or like yeah he's like threatened by it it almost feels like a competition Yeah, yeah yeah and this doesn't feel that way at all and it's like it sounds like it that that does have like a, a real positive application of like Pike is still this like traditionally cool like outsider motorcycle like Luke Perry like he's so he's cool and, <laughs> right but also is very secure in himself and is like okay with his girlfriend being the one who saves the world and yeah was rooting for them by the end I just wish that she had. Uh, <laughs> some friendships um some friends <laughs> she can have that and friends <laughs> right like her best friend ended up being donald sutherland in a trench coat i needed a li- i needed a little more than that. yeah uh the one thing about the romantic subplot that was all for me was like really uh this again where at the dance he's like puffy you're not like other girls but she's like Yes, I am. Yes, like, I, am. I liked that. I liked that. I was glad because when I heard that, I like groaned. Why? What, what was your, what problem did you have with it? I mean, mostly just that like the idea of like hetero men, especially will use the you're not like other girls as a compliment mm-hmm. when it's really just like 
that's just a way to tear down other women or to like Mm -hmm. paint femininity or just like womanhood or girlhood in these broad strokes and 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 basically classify that as like bad right Right. but like oh but if you're not like the other girls you're different in like xyz ways like that's awesome so it just like is a way to kind of demonize femininity and like girlhood and womanhood and things like that so it's like always like it always pings for us when we hear like Ooh, you're not like the other girls but then she's just like so what i liked about it is that she immediately challenges him and is just right. like yes, I yeah i am because mm-hmm. there's nothing wrong with other girls she doesn't say that but like that's the implication right i just wish that the script also followed through on that and gave us yeah. some likable women <laughs> in the script yeah. that weren't buffy right which which we know that like Joss Whedon is capable of doing. So I'm assuming that that had to do with studio stuff because it do- like we do know that he, you know, for all his faults, does write women who are friends with each other and important to each other. But yeah, that I don't know. I like I and I also another like little moment that I appreciated from Buffy was also at the end where I think Pike says something like he asked her to dance after she's killed every vampire ever and he's like i'm assuming you want to lead and she's like yep. no i don't no. and i liked that i was like that's no i didn't even until she like said that i was like oh yeah like action girl protagonists i feel like are so like painted with a broad stroke of like and she's in charge of fucking everything and she's the boss and blah 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 blah, where it's like people are complicated and and right she's like nope i don't want to be multitudes you can do this it's all good and (laughs) it's fine like i I thought that was a very sweet exchange yeah it's it's kind of like you guys said uh, i guess a little bit unfortunate that in the whole if you look at the way that they paint (laughs) that they paint, particularly teenage girls, but I guess you could say um, women in general, since there are no like adult figures in her life, because her mom is awful as well. Uh, It's a very, very negative view of them. And even like, take like Buffy herself. I don't know if you guys tracked this, but I happen to, I love, love, love like outfits and fashion. And I particularly love the stuff in this movie. Um, But Buffy goes from wearing the sundresses and like her hair down and all that to wearing cut off shorts with like a flannel and boots. Like the implication Mm. sort of being that if you are into this stuff, you're into even at the end when she's going to look for like a dress and she's shopping, Mm. she's not like super into it anymore because now she's evolved. She's better than that. She's like the next level of woman, which I have a huge problem with. I think like you said, Jamie, people are multifaceted and Mm -hmm. I don't love this idea that doesn't only come up in Buffy that comes up quite a bit that if you happen to be quote unquote girly or into fashion or uh, whatever it is um, that is deemed Mm -hmm. to be, like I said, a feminine activity, that it's less than and it makes you less than. And in order to ascend, you have to put that behind you and realize that that is not something that you need to care about. And once you do that, Mm -hmm. you will become the person that you should be. And I think the two things can completely and totally uh, exist together, which is why I wish that at least one of her friends had like stood by her in addition to Pike and didn't have to I mean, they were pretty awful in the beginning, but I don't think that like some of the stuff that they loved needed to have changed to still support their friend and uh, take down vampires together. 
Right. Yeah, I totally agree. Yeah, where it's like, and again, it's like, I don't even know who would have been the perpetrator of that stuff because Joss Whedon has like distanced himself so much from this script. Mm-hmm. So who knows? But but yeah, it it does seem to like, in a way that feels very 90s, but I feel like does still happen sometimes in media, like demonize whatever, a more traditional form of femininity and make it seem like, oh, this is an inherently weak and vapid mm-hmm. way to live and feel where it's like, that is so like, there's no gray area there. And there needs to be gray area, especially because I don't know, even like style wise, I was like, I want Buffy's costumes from the beginning, not the end. Um, or like some modification because I know it's like you know I want her to be able to fight comfortably but I'm like you could modify your style at the beginning to make it like vampire killing friendly sure I liked all of the outfits I liked Buffy in the beginning and the end (laughs) then all of her outfits for the training montage too I really liked that training montage me too (laughs) right but the movie does like subscribe to this idea that like Buffy is the one good female character in this story and Mm -hmm. all the other women because they like quote unquote like feminine things that the movie deems to be like vapid like Mm -hmm. shopping and like wearing dresses and caring about going to a dance and like Mm -hmm. all that stuff all the other women in the movie equals bad to the point where like to bring up the costuming thing again when Buffy goes leaves the dance to go fight this like horde of vampires she's wearing a dress but Luke Perry throws her his leather jacket as if to say like you'll need this to fight vampires I I said that exact thing when I was watching it I was like what's the point what is that gonna do (laughs) I feel like it's gonna like encumber her arms it's gonna make it harder for her to fight (laughs) but cool I got a leather jacket great (laughs) but it looks cool I guess I don't know but yeah I think in addition, so not only are all the all the other f- female characters in this story, you know, painted with these broad strokes of just like portrayed as being too hyper feminine equals vapid equals bad kind of logic. Mm-hmm. Um, it means that all of Buffy's most significant relationships in the movie are with men. And, you know, yeah. we talked about her and the love interest Pike already, but then there's also like Buffy and her mentor Merrick, mm-hmm. Buffy and the villain Lothos. So like mm-hmm. we can have separate discussions about that. But yeah, the movie does subscribe to this idea that like Buffy is kind of not like the other girls. And that's a good thing. Yeah. Right. And it's like, that's not the message that we should be putting out into the world. Which is wild. Yeah. Because it's like she, the character pushes against that but then the movie doesn't right. quite follow through on effectively yeah. commenting on it it's a little bit right. messy mm-hmm. yeah let's take another quick break and then we will come right back tired of spills and stains on your sofa wash away your worries with Annabay. Annabay, the only sofa that's machine washable inside and out where designer quality meets budget-friendly prices. That's right, sofas from only $639. 
Anabay brings you a no-risk experience with pet-friendly, stain-resistant, and changeable slipcovers made with performance fabric, cloud-like comfort with high-resilience foam, and hypoallergenic featherless down that needs no fluffing. Their steel frame ensures longevity, and you can rearrange the modular pieces anytime. And here's the cherry on top, up to 60% off site-wide. It's backed by a 30-day satisfaction guarantee, so if you're not absolutely in love, send it back for a full refund. No return shipping or restocking fees. Every penny back. Join the revolution of easy, clean, stylish living with up to 60% off at anabay.com. That's A-N-A-B-E-I.com. Offers are subject to change, and certain restrictions may apply. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infinity QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Are you ready to share some joy and celebrate International Women's Day? M&M's has partnered with iHeart for Women Take the Mic, treating you to the most uplifting and empowering stories of women supporting and celebrating each other. And of course, there is a smooth and creamy companion for your listening pleasure, peanut butter M&M's, because they're just another way to help treat yourself in situations where you deserve a little added delight, like listening to your favorite podcast. So grab a handful of that creamy deliciousness. Kick back and spread some positivity into the world. From smashing glass ceilings to breaking records in sports, on stages, and at the box office, women are crushing it in every way imaginable. And with peanut butter M&Ms by your side, relax and keep listening to Women Take the Mic podcasts as you dance your way through inspiring stories, share laughs, and savor the deliciousness of peanut butter M&Ms and the unstoppable force of women. Happy International Women's Day. And we're back. Should we talk about Buffy and Merrick? Which... Sure. Which... <laughs> Why not? <laughs> uh, <laughs> I mean, he he like also starts out being like, wow, I've never met such a like vacuous and vapid mm-hmm. slayer. I can't believe I'm stuck with you right now. And but then she's constantly challenging him and it gets to a point where they Mm. actually develop a bond and mutual trust and at one point she's like what do you even do sir like (laughs) i'm out here putting my neck on the line what are you doing he's like oh i'm kind of like a trainer kind of guy (laughs) a very bad one because it's been centuries And he has not defeated the vampires. I'm like, how do you still have this job in any other line of work if you consistently do not deliver the results? You are replaced. Yet here you are to lead another girl to the slaughter. (laughs) Men get a million chances, don't they? (laughs) They get a million chances. (laughs) To do one thing. 
<laughs> he also like he admits he's like oh i should have found you so like so many years ago we should have started your training a long time ago but i i don't know i just <laughs> he's like well what are you what were you doing like isn't it your job to find her and then right. like early on and mm. train her so it's also such a like a blase sort of thing to say considering this is Buffy's life, her right. life. She's putting right. her life on the line. And Merrick's just like, oh, sorry. You probably should have years of training under your belt, but you're still going to have to sort of condense everything into a four-week timeline. I think at one point Buffy says it's been like three weeks or four weeks or something. Years of training <laughs> condensed to four weeks. Merrick is mm. awful. <laughs> Trash. <laughs> He's bad at his job. Like, I felt like... And I felt like Buffy Buffy did so much of the, like, emotional lifting in that. Like, she, like, whatever. She's like, oh, you yes. made a joke. Like, she kind of, like, yeah. brings out a lighter side of him. But it's like, yeah, he put her in an impossible situation. That was, like, for sure. So, and she pulls it off. Like, she's, I don't know. I thought that, that that montage cracked me up because she's wearing the same outfit at the beginning and end of the montage Mm -hmm. so i guess that she just happened to be wearing the same outfit exactly three weeks later which is like (laughs) true to like clothes but was confusing movie wise like what it seems like no time has passed because he's always wearing the same trench coat so you're like what day is it (laughs) whatever gosh yeah but yeah i mean I guess I don't totally know how to feel about this relationship because he also like dies <laughs> like <laughs> and then there's like 40 more minutes of the movie. But I guess I appreciate that that dynamic grows and that they come to respect each other. And then he's even like, wow, you're you were the right person for the job after all. Mm-hmm. And then I think as he's dying, She's like, sorry, I keep doing this wrong. And he's like, no, like, don't do yeah, it wrong. Do, do that. Do that. Be you. <laughs> yeah. Do what you're doing. Don't play our game. Don't play by our rules because yeah. yeah. clearly it never works because there's still vampires around. <laughs> so do it your way, Buffy. And so he respects her and admires her. And yeah, so I don't know. I guess I, I was like fine with all of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think their relationship, you know, it ended up being kind of sweet. My issues specifically come with Merrick as the trainer of the Slayers. <laughs> and I've said my piece about he's, that. Right, mediocre. right. <laughs> I Like, story-wise, like, I didn't hate Merrick. I just felt like their connection, like, again, I just felt like there were stronger options for a character for Buffy to connect with because they truly had nothing in common. He wasn't doing a good job. And then when he died... Like she was up, she was sad, but it was also like I don't know. I feel like the movie wanted you to like really feel his death, and I was like, mm-hmm. oh wow, he, Donald Sutherland died pretty early in the movie. That's that's interesting, yeah. right? <laughs> I was like, well, that was kind of easy. <laughs> that was simple. I thought he would have lasted the whole time. All right, <laughs> like there was like no fight. Like suddenly he was just stabbed. There was like no fighting leading up to that. I was like, what? How? Who? What? (laughs) All of that. (laughs) Oh well. Um. Also, okay. So Merrick is like, "Hey, how about those menstrual cramps you're feeling?" Oh my god! Yes. Okay. (laughs) Joss, is that a thing on the TV show? Please say it's not. No, I do not think so. I was like, "What are you doing?" So what is happening here is that basically when vampires are nearby, 
Buffy feels menstrual cramps. It's like a warning sign to let her know that vampires are afoot. And she's like, what is this all about? And Merrick explains it's a natural reaction to their unnaturalness, to vampires' unnaturalness. So basically, I know that like Joss Whedon does not consider this movie to be canon, but if you're looking at like this movie and the show, the lore seems to be that the vampire slayer is always a cis woman. Right. So at least with this movie, with this like... <laughs> world building thing of menstrual cramps equals vampires are nearby the logic is that like if you're a slayer you're a woman and being a woman means you have a womb and that you're a menstruating person and that's natural so it's like this very cis normative idea and i think it's also supposed to be kind of like a joke to like I don't, I don't know what it was it was so random yeah that didn't work for me at all it was like and it doesn't really come back either where yeah it's like very night 1992 and it's like cis normativity and also just in it's like oh well i'm writing a character that menstruates i better bring that up like that up you right. don't need to bring right. that up like chill out i don't know if like if the slayer was written to be a cis man I feel like there would not be anything like that attributed to his character. It wouldn't be like, oh, your scrotum's going to hurt when yeah. vampires are around. Like, Does that happen in The Lost Boys? That... <laughs> Caitlin remembers the movie better than both of us. So. <laughs> that is, I yeah, don't believe... yeah, like, what are you... What? <laughs> it was so weird. Yeah, I found that to be very, very bizarre. Yeah, it was. Yeah. 1992 really uh, was what 1992ing there. It was really <laughs> having a 1992. Um, okay, so the other like major relationship or like whatever dynamic there is between Buffy and another character in this movie is with her and Lothos. And I, I'm going to need some help understanding what? I don't know if we can help you there. <laughs> I don't know if there is any help. That, that was, uh, I have no words. <laughs> yeah, I have. Here's my spiel about it. So what appears to be happening is what feels like a very sexually charged hero slash villain dynamic that feels extremely gendered because again I don't think it would be written that way if the hero was a man but because it's a teen girl Mm -hmm. this weird like heterosexual dynamic gets introduced which is especially creepy because she's a teenager and Lothos is played by a much older actor and also the The character is like like hundreds of years (laughs) old right yeah I feel like this happens in other movies where the protagonist is a girl or a woman and the villain is a man, I thought immediately of Labyrinth with like Jennifer Connelly and Ooh. David Bowie and like that weird like dance they have together. Um, yeah. But there are all these scenes where like Buffy has a dream where she gets into bed with Lothos and he embraces mm-hmm. her. There's that scene where like the first time they come in in face to face contact, Lothus is like, "Oh, I'm ready. I'm ready for you to ripen." Because like, I, it seems like he doesn't want to fight her so much as like 
have this weird like seduction sex like he's like fetishizing the idea that she's a slayer yeah which feels very like vampire culture as well of like right this old creepy guy trying to like engage with a teenage girl and that's kind of like canon to this genre in a way that I was kind of hoping that the movie was going to comment on because this movie does a lot of things that vampire movies don't usually do but that was something that felt kind of bizarrely very much in place yeah yeah I just and I didn't understand uh, like logistically what the heck was going on like the first time that Buffy has an actual showdown with Lothos and she sees him and is mesmerized ice is that is that what's happening right i don't know i'm like stab him and she can't (laughs) she's not really moving she's looking at him she's coming closer and like you said there's this weird sexually charged energy i didn't quite understand what was happening all i kept shouting was what are you doing stab him with your wooden steak thingy um (laughs) and some he kept saying like we're drawn to each other and it was just like all very weird and the movie could Mm -hmm. very much so exist and should have existed without that and I don't know even from a story perspective uh, I actually think it undermines the logic of what was going on because I have no clue like why that was happening yeah exactly and if like they insist on that happening in the movie because like vampires I mean like vampire lore is very much that like they're seducers they like draw people in with they you know they glamour right people so like if that's a thing that needs to be established as part of like right the world building and it just isn't so it gets really confusing to the point where we're wondering yeah Buffy why aren't you killing him? Right. Like, why aren't you trying to fight him? Because it seems like it in in her character, because she is so like one of the things I like about her is she's so self assured against people that you know whatever against yeah people who are giving her shit. Like she mm-hmm. rejects Donald Sutherland in a trench coat several times. Is like <laughs> fuck off. Like she's she's like very confidently rejecting the call to adventure. She's like fuck you. Like I. Maybe you don't like that I want to, like, graduate high school, move to Europe, marry Christian Slater, and die. <laughs> Iconic line. Uh, she's like, but that's what I want. So, like, leave me, like, alone. And then there's that amazing uh, thing where her, like, shitty boyfriend's friend slaps her butt and then she, like, slams him to the ground. It's yes. like, this is a girl who, like, is not afraid to fight back when someone's fucking with her. And so it does feel, like, out of, like... I don't know. Yeah, that didn't feel fully realized because it's like we've seen her give so many people shit. Yeah, it's not consistent. Yeah, so I was just so confused by that. But then like based on some weird thing that Merrick had said where he's like, listen to the music and when the music stops and then he like, blah, dies. But then like (laughs) the music has stopped in that scene with her and Lothos and she's like, oh my God, it was... I knew it all along. Music, and we're like, "What are you?" T-? I'm like, "Did you forget to have a scene here?" I never quite understood like what she realized. I yeah. I never got it. No. I was like, uh-uh. "Okay, <laughs> confusing." As long as she understood what it was that was her next move, because I certainly didn't understand. <laughs> I mean, I th- I think it is important for the audience to make it clear to the audience what that's all about. But whatever whatever it is. Fair enough. She then kind of like snaps out of it and then she finally starts to f- fight back 
and then you know lands the killing blow in in the next scene and you know defeats him finally but there's so much of like that dynamic where he's like being uber creepy Mm -hmm. and like uber predatory which again this is what vampires do but there's nothing to establish why what is exactly happening what lothos wants why he wants to seduce the slayer rather than kill her since she is an immediate threat to him yeah or why why she's responding to it in the way that she is that it's just like right just feels like very weirdly like gendered and sexualized in a way that like just made no sense to me absolutely none yeah okay i'm glad we're all in agreement there. Uh, yeah <laughs> Does anyone have any any other stuff they wanted to uh, to talk about for this one? Just a couple quick things. One, this is another teen movie that ends with a big dance. Um, I don't teen think it matters here. That's, that's a staple. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it is a staple. I'm just pointing it out. I'm not saying I. That's I not gender. Hate that that's detail. you know. I love a dance. You you hate that detail. You said I, I, I just more notice it as a as a very consistent trope. Mm-hmm. I love it. Sometimes, <laughs> sometimes <laughs> I'm just, I'm annoyed by it, depending on kind of what happens or what the implications of the dance. Because sometimes it's like, well, uh, a movie starring a teen girl has to end in some big romantic thing. Because girls like romance and love stories and glamorous balls where she hetero kisses her one true love. And then other times I'm like, ah, uh, you know, the high schools have dances. So it makes sense that like you'd have a the big third act at like a significant social event kind of thing. It didn't bother me because I felt like that like brought together Buffy's two worlds so cleanly. Yeah. Whereas like she was mm-hmm. on the dance planning committee. Yeah. Those are where her previous sure. friends were. I felt like in this, like this movie kind of uniquely, because sometimes you are just truly at a dance because it just feels like, well, this is where teen movies end. But in this movie, I did feel like it was justified in like bringing her worlds together. That is fair. Right. It was also like, like you said, uh, Jamie, weaved throughout. Um, you start at the beginning where she's like fully you know they're in one of the second or third scenes we see with Buffy and her friends they're planning they're trying to figure out what the theme should be and they settle on oh yeah environmentalism and uh oh that was kind of funny bugs or something I don't know yeah they're like we hate, <laughs> we bugs. hate bugs so that's, that's the our theme platform of the day. let's that's get rid of the funny. ozone layer <laughs> and, <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, so wow. it was like weaved in and like Jamie said it was a, I, I felt like it was a nice little having the two worlds come together and maybe mm-hmm. i just uh i don't know maybe i'm a sheep that just likes everything that everybody else likes but i loved that in dance <laughs> with her and pike i thought it was very sweet and i was all for their romance um so i was okay with it in this instance i i will say i did not mind the hetero teen romantic subplot in this movie because which is uh, saying something because it's mm-hmm. like which most is saying of something. them are vile <laughs> <laughs> right <laughs> But I think like, yeah, the way that, you know, we already talked about it, but it's um, the way it was handled. I appreciated. Yeah. Another thing I appreciated was the fight choreography Mm -hmm. um, where we've talked about this a lot, where a lot of movies with a woman as the action hero Mm -hmm. doing fighting often has like very gendered and sexualized fight choreography. We talk about that. Vagina slam. The pussy slam (laughs) move. I wasn't getting any of that really in this movie. It was just like what you'd expect as far as just like non-gendered combat. 
And I also really liked that the fight choreography like wove in what Buffy was already really good at. Like she's a very gymnastic fighter. Like it's cool. I don't know. Yeah. Like her being a cheerleader is part of why she's a good fighter, which I feel like that's that on top of like, I mean, I guess we we don't really talk about this very much because we probably talked about this in the bring it on episode, but like cheerleaders are so athletic and strong and it is like so physically taxing to do and so to see that Mm -hmm. like applied to combat was really cool yeah yeah Buffy was already starting out um uh like at a high I in the beginning of the training montage this isn't uh fighting but I remember watching her climb do the rope climb Mm -hmm. and she just like sails up that rope and I don't know if you guys have tried to (laughs) climb a rope oh but that is not easy tried tried is the opportunity so she was already (laughs) tried like and not succeeded so she was already starting like at a high and I do love that they incorporated the gymnastics um, in the show that I have coming out this month, uh, we also have a main character, much like Queen Buffy, who is a monster fighter. Mm-hmm. And we had a lot of conversations about like, what does it look like? What do those fight scenes look like? Because you mentioned this being um, non-gendered fighting style. But I do think that when we were talking about our own character, there are differences between the ways that people fight, especially depending on who your opponent is going to be. And you want to make sure that you're utilizing what you would actually, as the person, how you would actually fight. And so a lot of times you'll see um, that people don't take that into consideration, especially when it comes to female characters, like what are the ways that they are going to approach a fight um, uh, versus like a male character. And one of the things that I love about Buffy, like you said, is they were using what she would already have considered as her strength, which is her gymnastics. So it's nice that they took the the time to think about that and really incorporate Mm -hmm. that into the style. Uh, uh, And it's cool to watch, you know, I love watching her flip around Mm -hmm. and stuff. Yeah, I guess the better way to frame it is that her fight choreography didn't seem sexualized in the way that a lot Mm -hmm. of like women's fight choreography tends to be. Right. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Um, this is also a very white movie. Yeah. Yes. The cast is very white. Any people of color, which I think is hardly any. There's her one friend. Her one friend. Right. Who we might not even know the name of. I think she has two lines. (laughs) Right. Hardly says anything. (laughs) Yeah. So any people of color are relegated to like secondary or tertiary like background characters who we learn nothing about you know every major character is white yeah yeah which is um uh you know i I already went on a whole spiel about (laughs) you know growing up like wanting to play certain characters and not having any that there certainly were black characters but like you said they oftentimes had no lines or just were very much in the background. And this wasn't just mm-hmm. the early 90s. Like, I want to say, e- like, <laughs> even still sometimes now. I mean, still now. today. Like, still now. Yeah. Um, but especially in my formative years as a child and a teenager, even watching some of the shows that I love to watch, like, uh, I was a huge 
Smallville fan for a while. Um, mm. And that show, uh, I love, 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 but like they had a, a, a character who was Superman's uh, best friend who was black and over the course of like, literally I want to say the first season was pushed to the background and was very much just showed up to exposit some stuff and then uh, mm. leave. And that's kind of what I felt like most how most black characters were treated um, and still mm-hmm. are sometimes where they mm-hmm. they never have their own storylines. They never have their own agency. They are just there to either be uh, like the voice of wisdom or come in and relay uh, just enough information so that the producers and the network executives can say, oh, but we have a character of color, but they're never mm-hmm. given like the meat and potatoes, uh, which is unfortunate because people want to see themselves on screen, which is why I would get yeah. into fights about how I want to be Buffy, even though I don't look right. like Buffy. Um, right. And it's just, you know, I'm glad that we're sort of talking about these things and, and changing it. I think the changes are coming slowly, but it really is important that people are able to see themselves. Absolutely. Absolutely. And like, yeah, like you were saying, not just in a surface way, in like an impactful, fully realized character way. Mm -hmm. And also it's a a very straight movie as well, which is always like, I don't understand why vampire, well, I, I understand, but it's like, I understand because society, but also I'm just like vampires being repeatedly coded as strictly hetero. I'm like, it just doesn't track for me. It doesn't. <laughs> like, it never has, never right. will. Vampires, I feel like, are queer canon. Like, what? Uh, very hetero movie. Vampires are pansexual, all of them. For sure. I think that's true. For mm-hmm. sure. <laughs> right. For sure. Uh, There's no way that you can live hundreds of lives. I, I couldn't even live this life that I'm in without exploring my sexuality and figuring out that I don't like, Being straight for a hundred lifetimes? Like, so you're trying to tell me that hundreds of years, like no one explored outside of just, yeah. you know, it, I don't buy it. Yeah, I don't right. buy it at all. Not, not a chance. <laughs> and again, tell me if I'm misremembering Caitlin, but the, the TV show isn't quite as hetero uh normative right there are queer there is at least a queer character correct there are several queer queer characters there's there are queer relationships like you actually see in fact that might i think that was one of the first shows on network television or not i guess cable television that had um or what network i don't it was on like television. the WB for a while, wasn't it? And like UPN, yeah. if you remember that. Maybe I'm right. aging myself. Like, what's, uh, what's UPN? But it was on one of those. I don't know if I that remember. counted as like yeah. cable or what it was. In any case, it featured one of the first lesbian kisses on oh, wow. on screen on television. Yeah. So that's awesome. Yeah, there was uh, not quite so much heteronormativity as there is in this movie and most movies feels worth mentioning that especially toward the beginning of the movie Buffy and her friends make different jokes that are like at the expense of the unhoused population or they don't um there's some like xenophobic remarks that are made and things like that but I think that's done to show who Buffy used to be or like who, who like who what her friend group is like these again kind of like 
self-centered sort of like rich elitist types um right but you know there's there's still like jokes made at the expense of unhoused people and stuff so you know feels pretty 90s yeah it does feel very 90s also ben affleck is in this movie i know like five seconds for like two seconds and i i actually read somewhere um just in casual googling of this movie which one does um, i read that his line the one line he had was actually dubbed because the director hated his delivery like to be (laughs) to have one line in a movie and that line be completely dubbed over he couldn't even get that couldn't right. even get that right <laughs> but yes wow. ben affleck is in this movie so is thomas jane who is not as big a name as ben affleck i did not Ooh. catch him i did not catch that either but i was watching this with my girlfriend over the weekend and she was like that's thomas jane and i was like no, only Ben Affleck is in this. That's, oh, the, that's the only one with that. The only star that just like briefly appeared. Uh, Thomas Jane he played a mechanic. Zeph? Oh. I didn't even know that character had a name. They are horrible with the names in this. Yeah. <laughs> when Pike goes to get, I guess, his van yeah, service because yeah, yeah, yeah. he's trying to leave because he knows vampires are out and about and he's like, I want no part of this. The right. mechanic, and I have no idea how my girlfriend was able to spot that this was Thomas Jane. I don't, <laughs> like, even still, like, I wouldn't be able to pick that up. Um, Love but a yeah. good Thomas Jane appearance. <laughs> Him and Ben Affleck have ran random appearances in uh, wow. this movie. Also, Stephen Root, who is one of my favorite character actors, plays, like, the school principal in this movie. Yes, oh, yes, yes, yes. There's a lot of people this movie is apparently kind of stacked with uh (laughs) with the cast here (laughs) yeah and then i kind of assumed i was like oh like whatever happened to christy swanson i've never seen her in anything else she has been consistently working this entire time but she's she's in a lot of like tv movies and yeah stuff that i tend not to watch but yeah she's she's still around working shouts out to her i thought she was awesome as buffy i thought she was great like just uh just a quality, quality mm. superheroine. Yeah. Yeah. And then Paul Rubens giving oh my the God. performance of a lifetime. <laughs> Stealing every scene. <laughs> he is so wonderful. <laughs> yeah, it's a fun movie. Like if you if you have been on the fence about giving this movie a chance just because of kind of the bizarro cultural reputation it has, watch the movie. It's fun. Mm-hmm. You'll have a good time. Yeah. But does it pass the Bechtel test? I feel like it does. It does. Even though the Buffy's friends barely have names. <laughs> and we barely learn them. And they mostly talk about a yellow leather jacket. And um, they, But they talk about like planning the upcoming dance mm-hmm. and stuff like that. So, yeah. And they have that whole scene that's about like that. I mean, they do talk about men for a part of the scene, but mm-hmm. about the conflict of like Buffy, you've changed. Like, mm-hmm. right. why do you think what we like is not cool anymore? Mm-hmm. Like that was a meaningful, like, yeah, I, I'll always be bummed out that there were not stronger friendships, but I feel like that's a lot of that scene pretty firmly passed. And then I think maybe a few exchanges with Buffy and her mom as well. Mm. Like when she's like, what time is it? And then Buffy lies and she's like, my watch is so slow. I'm like, yeah, I guess that that Oh, Buffy's mom. Yeah. (laughs) Where's that spinoff? Yeah, so it does pass the Bechdel test. As far as our nipple scale in which we assign 
zero to five nipples to the movie based on examining it through an intersectional feminist lens. I feel like I would give it like a three, maybe even like a three and a half. Oh, so we can give half a nipple. Yeah. Oh, we give quarter nipples sometimes. (laughs) Yeah. Decimal (laughs) to your heart's content. Uh, I think we've given pie nipples before, 3.14. I see, I see. We've given negative nipples before, (laughs) inverted, yeah. Yeah, the the nipple score spectrum is fluid. Um, (laughs) I I think I'll give it three and a half. Maybe that's too generous, but especially for like an early 90s movie, because, oh my gosh, comparing this to other early 90s movies (laughs) in any genre, really, like things were not great. Mm -mm. So kind of maybe in like adjusted for time inflation almost, but adjusted for inflation, (laughs) the fact that you have (laughs) the fact that you have this female centered story about a woman, a chosen one narrative about a woman who like kicks ass and doesn't really need help from men because Merrick, as she points out, is not really doing anything. Pike is her sidekick who barely does anything, who gets like damseled and that she has to save several times. Like she mm-hmm. never really has to be saved. She's doing all of the work. She has all of the agency in the movie although I guess you could argue like being a chosen one kind of like inherently takes agency away from you because she's just sort of like your voice I don't think in like a gendered way though right 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 exactly yeah um so as far, as far as like the circumstances go like she's got agency she's doing things she's a very active character I didn't hate the hetero romantic subplot I did hate the weird dynamic between her and Lothos. That did feel oddly gendered. Knocked off a nipple. Yeah. Yeah, that that is so... (laughs) I don't know what's happening there. The weird menstrual cramps thing should have just been absolutely deleted from the movie. Um, The fact that there's no racial diversity, there's no, like, body type diversity. It's all very heteronormative, Mm. but... uh, yeah, I think there's enough like cool stuff going on. I think I'll land on a three, th- three and a quarter nipple. <laughs> and I'll give one to Buffy. I will give one to Paul Rubin's death scene. <laughs> I'll give one to Buffy's black friend who we who the movie doesn't even care to give her a name. Oh and man. I'll give a quarter nipple to the little baby kitty that Lothos is about to go snack on in that one scene because I feel really bad for the cat yeah uh I'll meet you there I'll, I'll I'll go three and a half as well I think that the issues this movie has with a glaring lack of diversity across the board is both very obvious and extremely mm-hmm. of its time yeah, I, I mean, I, I'm, I'm kind of just co-signing our discussion in, in what you just said, Caitlin, um, because I like Buffy a lot. I like how much she subverts. I wish that the villain subverted more about mm-hmm. this genre. Yeah, I wasn't actively rooting against the central relationship, but I do wish that she had women in her life to talk to. And it was like extra like they were right there. 
give her a connection with her mom of some sort, even if it's not positive, like give us something, like give us some friendship, give you know, there, there are opportunities or like, why are all the vampire villains men? Like what, you know, there's like so many opportunities for her to not just have the pivotal figures in her life be a bunch of white guys. And, Mm -hmm. but that's not how it went. However, I love Buffy. I really loved the performances in this movie and I'm going to give it three and a half. So I'm going to give one to Christy Swanson. I'm going to give one to the director of the movie, Fran Rubel Kuzui. I will give one to the motorcycle and I'll give my half to Paul Rubens. <laughs> nice. Uh, Jasmine, what about you? Um, I will give this three and three quarter nipples mm-hmm. so i'm slightly <laughs> higher than you guys 3.75 nipples mm-hmm. three quarters of those nipples goes exclusively to the scene where the friend grabs buffy's butt and she flips him over and slams him against the locker because oh, yeah. that yes. is the re- proper response to when that happens That's so good um i mean you guys have already touched on um you guys have already touched on the things here. Uh, I agree with everything that you said. Uh, I I will focus mostly on the positive here because, like I said, this had like such a positive influence on me. And mm-hmm. seeing a character like Buffy, especially growing up as a child of the 90s and a teen of the early thousands, you just never saw, I shouldn't say never, but mostly did not see women portrayed in this way. So I already gave my three quarters of a nipple to that one scene. Obviously one goes to Buffy. I got to give one to my man Pike. I'm a big Pike fan. I appreciated what they did with that romance and with that character. And I guess what do I have? One more, one more nipple. I will give one more nipple to just the influence that that movie had on me, and how it continues to have influence on me uh, in the stuff that I want to champion developing now that I am an adult, over thirty woman who gets to help put content out into the world. Yes. Which, Amazing. speaking of, tell us about your show yes yes i would love to um so the show is called the girl in the woods and it premieres october 21st which i believe is a thursday very soon on peacock um and the show much like buffy the show revolves around our main character whose name is carrie ecker and she is a monster slayer she lives in this colony on the outskirts in the woods of this mining town and this colony sole job is to protect a door, a very mysterious door that stands in the woods. Um, The door is a door to a monster dimension, and it is Mm -hmm. the number one priority that that door does not open and the monsters do not come out, but this is a TV show, so you can guess what is going to happen. (laughs) 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 If you can't guess, the door is going to open and monsters are going to come out. Um, (laughs) And and so Carrie uh, is going to eventually find herself uh, in this mining town and she's going to come across two new friends whose name uh, names are Tasha and Nolan. And together they are going to have to uh, fight the monsters that have been released and try and save this town. It is a very fun show. It has a lot of uh, 
great themes that I think are very relevant today. It is a very queer show. Um, I say that with so much pride being a queer woman myself. Um, Mm -hmm. And uh, I just think much like Buffy, it is very fun. It is very fun. um, And uh, we have three main characters. And I think they all sort of, you get to see the three mains play characters that you don't really see very much even today um mm-hmm. and i'm just really excited for for everyone to to check it out at the very least if you love watching teens fight monsters check out the show but if you also like character development you like what? scary content that has uh social and very like human themes at the heart of it uh and you love teen romance especially with a little dash of queer uh inserted into it uh mm-hmm. all of the things that i love <laughs> um you'll love the show <laughs> hell yeah Amazing. everyone check out the girl in the woods on peacock is there anything else you'd want to plug social media stuff if you want to find me on instagram um or twitter have the same handle it's jazz face killer that's jazz with two z's killer nice. with two l's jazz face killer um and please hit me up let me know what you think about the show let me know what you think about buffy the movie um <laughs> spread the word about buffy the movie so many people talk about the show and that's fine but like let's bring up you know the movie's profile because i think you're right jamie and that joss whedon did some damage out there and it's not fair because this movie is very fun yeah it is. It is. Let the Buffy movie live. <laughs> um, totally. Well, Jasmine, thank Jasmine you so is much. So awesome for having coming. you. This is so much fun. This yes. was a lot of fun. Thanks for uh, inviting me to be on the show. I loved uh, talking oh. about all this stuff with you guys. Our pleasure. Come back anytime. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> and then you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Bechtelcast. We've got our patreon aka matreon that gives you two bonus episodes every single month plus access to the back catalog it's five dollars a month at patreon.com slash you can also get our merch at tpublic.com slash the it'll be there if you need it if you don't need it that's okay too and with that uh do you both want to like get on my motorcycle and let's get out of here? Oh my gosh. Yeah. Let's blow this joint. Can I wear a leather jacket? <laughs> oh yeah. You can oh, yeah. borrow oh. my, you can borrow my yellow leather jacket, Jasmine. Yes. <laughs> so five minutes ago, Caitlin. <laughs> oh. No, it's retro. <laughs> All right. Bye-bye. Bye. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80. Live March 20th from The Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. 
Ready to celebrate International Women's Day? M&M's and iHeart present Women Take the Mic, sharing empowering stories of women supporting and celebrating each other. And of course, there is a smooth and creamy companion for your listening pleasure, peanut butter M&M's, because they're just another way to help treat yourself in situations where you deserve a little added delight, like listening to your favorite podcast. So savor the deliciousness of peanut butter M&M's and spread some positivity. From breaking glass ceilings to dominating in sports and entertainment, women truly are unstoppable. You deserve to treat yourself, so turn your tax refund into a U-Fund and give yourself a Straight Talk Wireless Extended Silver Unlimited plan and get a new Samsung Galaxy A14 on them. You can get a great everyday value on wireless with Straight Talk's Unlimited plan starting at $25 a line per month for four lines. You'll save so much, you'll be enjoying that refund all year long. It's the refund that keeps on refunding. Find Straight Talk at straighttalk.com or at your local Walmart store. Taxes and fees not included. Offer valid through 41424 while supplies last. Online only. Must purchase a Straight Talk extended Silver Unlimited plan to qualify. Limit of five phones per customer. Family plan discount with four lines all on the Silver Unlimited plan. Not combinable with auto pay discount.